Uh, best to just stop there, so let us pray. Uh, no, just, just kidding. Um, you know, I'm so grateful for the invitation from Brian uh, to be here. It was a joy for me at the earlier service. My daughter, Anna, who is your associate director of middle school, uh, we got to lead service together for the first time ever. That was a great joy uh, to me. But I have long admired and cheered for this congregation, and I was thrilled when you called Brian as your pastor. He is a dear friend. It was a joy to serve with him for 10 years. Uh, But I love it that Anna also, this is her first full-time ministry experience. Uh, She is in good hands here with your team uh, and with Brian, and uh, I I love your vision. What does it mean to be a church for the flourishing of the city? I I love that. May it be so. And also, it's also so good to be connected in our eco-Presbyterian denomination. It's, It's growing, and so, you know, we're up in Bethlehem where all good, wise pastors go, you know. Um, And you're down here and we're all doing the same thing, inviting people to to bend their knee to the Jesus that we love. So it is a real joy uh, to be here with you. Way back during the French Revolution, a pastor was threatened. I will pull down all of your churches, your steeples, your places of worship, so that you no longer have any object to remind you of your religious superstitions. But the pastor had an answer. You cannot pull down the sun, the moon, and the stars. These all declare the glory of God. If every house of prayer be destroyed, if every preacher be forced to keep silent, the heavens above will forever declare his glory. The birds will sing his praise, and the wind and waves will say, our God reigns. Amen? About 800 years ago, St. Francis of Assisi, an Italian monk, of course, known for his love of animals, wrote the words to today's hymn that draw a picture of all the things that God has created. We're going to sing it after the sermon. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, Alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam. Then there's the the wind and the water and the earth, and then the final verse of praise. All creatures their creator bless, and worship him in humbleness. Such a beautiful, rich hymn that sounds an awful lot like Psalm 148. When we see the beauty that surrounds us, what do we do? We have to praise the one who made it. Today we are going to turn our gaze to the very first words of the Bible in the book of Genesis, and you've read it before. But it's this epic account of creation that tells us right from the beginning who is at the center of the story and who deserves our praise. Now, a word of caution, you may have read these verses so many times that you skim or you scan and you miss the power of what these first verses are saying. When we open up God's word, our life gets changed. Without these verses, you might miss the meaning of the entire Bible. So may God open our ears as we hear In the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. There is so much in those very first verses of the Bible. So let's slow down and look. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God has always existed before there was anything else. And it's hard for us to get our minds around that truth that once upon a time, nothing we see was there. There were no beautiful beaches along 30A. There were no mountains in Colorado where your confirmation students are heading tomorrow. There were no flowers blowing in the wind in the hill country. No great wonders of the world. No newborn babies. No great hymns about creation. Nothing. Genesis starts before anything else existed. It starts pre-creation where there was only God. And that frame, those first words, give us the key to the Bible from the first page to the last page. It all starts with God. It's all about God. The Bible is one big story of God, of God creating and God acting, of God redeeming, of God making history, of God working his purposes out, of God pursuing you, his people. Here in Hebrew, God is Elohim. 32 times, just in Genesis 1, God is Elohim. Elohim is the name for God that shows his, his majesty and his, his power. But it's also, if you look close, a plural form of God. What does that mean? Does that mean that God's so big he can't be limited? Or does the tense point us to the Trinity? God in three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit all together in the beginning. We get a clue if we turn to the Gospel of John. And these words should sound familiar. In fact, why don't you read these words with me? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. John wants us to know that Jesus, that's the word, that Jesus was with God the Father from the very beginning. But the beginning is just that. It's the beginning of something. So what we read is, at the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is up to something. Back to Genesis 1. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I don't know if there are any scientists in the room, but we don't get the scientific account of creation that some of us want, that we'd love to have. We don't get a detailed how, but we get an emphatic who. God is the one who speaks and he creates. Isaac Newton was one of the most influential scientists of all times, and he had friends who were atheists who couldn't imagine that there was a God and couldn't imagine that God had created. They, they thought the universe just happened. Well, one day, one of those friends came to see Newton And Newton showed him this incredible model of the solar system. It had the sun and the the planets and, and the moons all in the right place. And the size of those spheres were in proportion. And the planets revolved at just the right relative speeds. This atheist friend admired the model. Said, oh, that is so intriguing. Who made it? Newton said to him, well, nobody, it just happened. All right, it's a joke, come on, give the preacher a little help. See, he couldn't imagine as he saw this incredible model that someone hadn't, had not put that together. But he couldn't imagine that the world put together as Jesus, as God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit did, was anything but accidental. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, again, that's only seven words. But those seven words, they they represent the seven days that the, the, the writer will go on to detail how creation happened. It's a very simple sentence. But don't miss what's happening. God starts with heaven. But heaven is not where the story stays. The Bible quickly moves to earth. Many artists, of course, have tried to depict creation over the centuries, and Doré was a a French illustrator from the 1800s who tried. Here's his sketch. It shows the earth literally coming out of the darkness and waiting and expectant at, at the, free, the feet of the creator. My goodness, when we see creation, how can we not believe in God? That's what John Glenn said, looking out of the space shuttle discovery. He said, to look out the window, as I did that first day, to look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God, is to me impossible. Theologian N.T. Wright said it this way. He said, all the beauty of the world, that beauty that calls our admiration, our gratitude, our worship at the earthly level, is meant as a set of hints, of conspiratorial whispers, of clues and suggestions and flickers of light 
all nudging us into believing that behind the beautiful world is not random chance, but the loving God. The closer we get to creation, the more the story unfolds. God created the heavens and the earth and the sea and the land and the plants and the flowers and the animals and and then us humans. Far away, it looks pretty good, but up close, we know there are some problems. But God has plans for that too. See, it all starts with God. God is at the center of it all. He was then and he is now. And so right out of those verses that we read, we see what God did. But it's not just for back then. It's what also God can do for you. God can turn your nothing into something. really powerful, isn't it? That God took a formless and an empty void and made the entire world. I mean, it's so hard to get our heads around it, but that's what God did. But that's what he can do. I don't know how you came in this morning. I mean, you look really good this morning. But how are you? I bet some of you think your life is nothing. You wouldn't tell anybody in here. You think you're insignificant. You think that God has more important things to do than to work on on you and to work through you. But that's at the heart of who God is. See, God made you and when he said that the rest of creation was good, he said, we humans, you, are very good. Now, our son's in medical school, and I, I gotta say, uh, Mark and I are vicariously experiencing it with him. When you see how the human body was made, indeed, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Scientists, uh, when they, they valued the human body uh, broken down organically, it's only worth less than $5. But put together, formed by God, the body is valued at over $45 million. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and gaze into their eyes. I wanted to create at least one awkward moment for you in church. (laughs) It's pretty awkward, isn't it? All right. Now, What's crazy about those eyes that you see? There are 130 million rod-shaped cells that help you detect light in your eyes. There are six million cone-shaped cells that help you see color. Your eye muscles, they move 100,000 times a day. And if your legs work like that, you'd clock 50 miles worth of steps on your Apple Watch. That's a lot of steps. A little less awkward, look at your, 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 your finger there. Do 
your fingerprint is different from every other person's. Every person ever born. Those ridges on your finger were formed before you were born. And there's so much more, of course, in the body that we can't see. Your body has 60,000 miles of blood vessels. That's long enough to loop the earth two and a half times. Folks, God made you amazing. You never asked to be made, did you? You never asked to be formed and shaped. I mean, that is God being God. But folks, he didn't stop when he created you. God is still at work in your life, whether you know it or not. See, he made you to know you. Don't miss that. He made you to know you. He made you to make your life more than you can imagine it to be. See, the same power that created the heavens and the earth and the same power that created amazing you and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Folks, that is the power that is at work in your life when you receive him and invite him and give him your life. See, that's what you were made for. That's what he longs for you to do. And you will never experience the life you were meant to have until you let the creator be at the center of your life. See, God can take your nothing and turn it into something. There was a doctor and an engineer and a politician. Does that about count everybody in the room? Okay, close, right. There's a doctor, an engineer, and a politician, and they were arguing over which profession was the oldest. The doctor argued, without a physician, a people could never survive. So I'm sure that mine is the oldest profession. The engineer was having none of that. In his very ordered way, he set out the case. He said, before life, there was complete chaos, and it took an engineer to create some semblance of order from the chaos. So obviously, engineering is older. But the politician interrupted and said, who do you think created the chaos? The world started dark. It started formless. The world was chaotic. But God at creation, he brought order. He brought light into the darkness. He separated water from the land. God created out of chaos, and then we brought chaos and darkness right back in. It didn't take long for brother to hate brother, for husbands and wives to be alienated, for humans to enslave other humans, and on and on and on. Read the Bible, but also read the paper. We live in a chaotic world. 
And we're no stranger to our own chaos and darkness if we're honest. It's in our homes, it's in our hearts. Maybe some of you are running from your own chaos and and you're hoping to find a way out. You're hoping for hope in your marriage. You're hoping for purpose in your job. You can't sleep at night very well because you have so many things on your mind. You can't seem to get back on track with your adult children or your own screw-ups in school or your own screw-ups in your budget or you're not sure how to get out of the darkness of loneliness or grief or addiction. Hear this, nothing that you bring to God is too bad or too big or too dark. See, God can bring light to your darkness. He's already done it. We just read it. God brought order to the chaos. He brought light to the darkness. He did it at creation, but he did it again when he sent his son, Jesus, into the world. Jesus went running right into our chaos. He came to bring order back. He came to put us right with God and right with each other. And God does it over and over and over again. It's just what he does when we invite him in to our darkness. John Ortberg tells the story that comes from the memoir of Mary Ann Bird. Powerful story. Mary Ann was born with uh, multiple birth defects. She was deaf in one ear, she had a cleft palate, She had a disfigured face, a crooked nose, a a lopsided feet. And as a child, Mary Ann suffered not just from all those physical limitations, but she suffered a lot emotionally because children were mean. They kept saying horrible things about her. Mary Ann, her classmates would say, what happened to your lip? And she would lie. She said, "I, I cut it on a piece of glass. One of the worst days at school for Marianne was the day of the annual hearing test. It went something like this. The teacher would call each child to the desk, and the child would cover first one ear and then the other. And the teacher would whisper something to the child like, the sky is blue, or you have new shoes. And if the teacher's phrase was heard and then repeated, the child passed the test. Marianne would always cheat on the test because she didn't want to hear any more teasing or laughing about her. She would secretly cup her hand over her one good ear so that she could hear what the teacher said. One year, Marianne was in Miss Leonard's class. Everyone loved Miss Leonard. She was a favorite teacher. And every child wanted to be recognized by Miss Leonard. Everyone wanted to be her favorite. Then came the day of the dreaded hearing test. 
When her turn came, Mary Ann was called to the desk and she cupped her hand over her good ear and Miss Leonard leaned forward to whisper. Here's how Mary Ann writes it. I waited for those words which God must have put into her mouth. Those seven words which changed my life. Miss Leonard did not say, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. What she whispered was, I wish you were my little girl. And that changed everything. The one who spoke and made everything you can see or imagine came into our world. He cried as a baby in the manger. He spoke to the teachers as a 12-year-old in the temple. He prayed with his disciples and he, he taught them how to pray. And finally, the sinless God who became man spoke from the cross. It is finished. See, Jesus came, he, he spoke to forever close this gap between the creator and the creation, between God and, and you. He came so that you can truly know who you are. See, God speaks and he changes your life. We're wrapping up. I want you to hear some of the words in Scripture that God speaks over you. You are chosen. You are His treasured possession. You are my delight. You are my friend. You are my child. You are sought out and redeemed. Summer's not over yet. And I suspect the rest of the summer, you're going to see some beautiful things. And my prayer is that when you see the creation, you will praise the creator and that act of worship will remind you who you are and remind you that he can turn your nothing into something. He can bring your light to your darkness. And he speaks and he can change your life. My friends, may it be so, God, you showed your amazing power and your unfathomable love for us at creation, and you keep showing your love and your power. As we worship, we admit that we need it. We want to tell you that we, we crave that in our life. So in these moments, would you do your work in us 
We give you our nothing. We give you our darkness. We give you our chaos. And we gladly receive your light. We gladly receive your order. We gladly receive your voice speaking over us and your work in our life. And God, we're bold to pray expectantly. Our voices join with all creatures and with all creation to say, we praise you. Hallelujah. Amen.